no chance. What's up, everybody? Episode 42 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, your hosts, Ryan. And Nate. Man, we're doing this from our, uh, our, our own homes this time, huh? Yep. Yeah, this is, it's a, mad, la- it's a mad lazy mentality we got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I do prefer this, though, because it gives me a chance to work on some other stuff that I've been procrastinating on. But, um, you know, sometimes, I mean... I like I like the grind, I like the hustle of being in the streets, you know, like I miss that. Even though it's been a week. Do you? Yeah. Well, I mean two weeks actually. It's been two weeks technically, yeah. Yeah, I mean you've been gone for the past five, week. six days in New York, yeah. Big Apple. Yeah. Uh how how was it? you went to uh, like Governor's Ball and stuff? Yeah, I went to Governor's Ball. Um it was pretty fun. Didn't really do much else aside from drink. So that was that. Bro, that's like all you do now. <laughs> that's literally like okay. All you, what's this? Okay, okay. Maybe not all you do, but what's this? You? What's this? You talk? Okay, you that's, mean that's we, all we do. It's all we do yeah. as a collective. All we do is drink. And no, yeah. to be honest, I've been yo, know, I've been kind of holding off lately, and I and I think I should get an applause for this. Not only have I not drank within the past week and a half, maybe. Maybe almost two weeks. So actually, I drank on Sunday, but um, <laughs> I've been trying to avoid it for good measure. You know, for good measure. Yeah. I mean, and I've been so, feeling a lot more energetic. You know, a lot, a lot more spunky. Is that a, is that a word? Good. I think that's like yeah, a, like an energetic word. word. Um, yeah, I've been feeling that, that lately, and so I'm super hyped to uh, to be uh, to be here today for you guys I'm to actually, be listening to I'm us. Actually, <laughs> I'm actually on this like no alcohol like cleanse for like the next however long and i'm gonna text you on friday and the only response i'm gonna get is fuck it i'm down fuck it i'm down yeah exactly. and then no, that's just I'm gonna transcend into it <laughs> no i'm being good this time all right man and i'm also on a diet i'm also on a diet a what yeah a diet a diet yeah how why i don't know man i just need to need to get my Get my health game back up, you know. Just do a, a week's worth of a juice cleanse, and 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 you'll be fine, man. Get that, get that, <laughs> get that, uh, that liver popping, and uh, and you'll be okay. All right, and then I'll be back to drinking Hennessy every night. Yep, shout out to Hennessy, man. Shout out yep. to Hennessy. Um, thank you guys for listening uh, to this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Well, this is Friday, and um, if I'm holding myself to my word, that means I put out a radio episode. Uh, on Wednesday, it is about 10 o'clock right now. So I have a deadline to hit, but, um, we appreciate you guys listening to us every week. Um, we're getting some, some nice little reviews, man, on, on the Apple podcast. Um, nice, nice sentiment, nice words. And we appreciate all the love. Um, this is basically what keeps us going every week. So yeah, we appreciate that. Huge, huge, huge shout out to you guys. Um, yo, Real question, because uh, you were gone over the weekend and Kanye is on this, or good music, rather, a good music is on this sort of spree of releasing things every Friday. We talked a little bit of Pusha T last weekend, but, you know, Ye's new album came out on Friday. Real quick, just because every time a new album comes out, we sort of run it by each other. Were you fucking with this album? Um, I definitely like it. Uh, is it my favorite Kanye West album? No. Really? Um, wait, no, it's not my favorite Kanye West would album. Would you Would you rank it as as top three? Uh, me personally, no. What? I wouldn't. No. Okay. What would be number one? Okay, this is just personal preference. I'm going. Okay, I'm going. Graduation. Okay. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Nice. Nice. Number two. And then three is kind of interchangeable, either college dropout or late registration. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, graduation's definitely, definitely up there. Definitely top three. I would, you know, and I don't want to be that guy. And I know a lot of, a lot of people are like this within the first, you know, 
day of listening to an album to call something a classic. But for some reason, I think for me, at least when it comes to music and, and doing this radio show has definitely got me a bit more custom accustomed to music I used to listen to um, within the past few years. I think within the time and period that I'm in right now, I think this might be my favorite Kanye album. Really? Yeah. You know, you know what it is, is we've been getting bogged down by music, like so much music because it's so easily accessible. Right. So you're running through these albums, which, which could be, you know, 14 to 16 songs. And sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming and you're literally trying to search to find that, you know, that, that good hit. And within Apple Music, you know how they have the um, the stars to show you next which to like the yeah, hot tracks. next to the yeah. hot tracks, and sometimes you sort of like gravitate to those songs first, just to hear like, oh, who's the feature on this? Who's the what on this? Right? That's one. Of, oh, and that and that too. I hate when they they include who's featured in the song within the title because you don't get the the immediate surprise when you hear their voice in uh, like in the like in the in the Yay album. So. When I first listened to it and and the, the first, maybe like first 20 times I listened to the album, I listened to them all the way straight from first song to seventh song. And I didn't skip or go back and choose. I listened to it straight all 20 times. That's how good it is. And I never listened to things front to back. And for some reason, it just got me. And especially, yo, real quick, the song with um, the two songs... First off, the song with with Kid Cudi almost shed a tear. You know, the, uh, the, the, the I think Town? it's Ghost Town. Yeah, the one with yeah. Kid Cudi almost shed a tear. But the song with Charlie Wilson, God damn, God damn it, Charlie Wilson, you are a legend. Every song, which one? Uh, it's the No uh, Mistakes. Yes, No Mistakes, the one that I guess is dedicated to like um, his wife, the the late great Kim Kardashian. Um, she's she's not dead. She's still alive. Well, I mean, I didn't say she perished. It was just the late great. I mean, she was big recently. Is that what that means? The late great? All right, never mind. No, I mean, that means like you're dead, I'm pretty sure. Does it really? Like you're you're a, you're a legend, but you're dead. You're dead. Damn. You're deceased. All right, well, uh, I take that back. Um, but yeah, that, <laughs> that song, amazing. Charlie Wilson, amazing. Every song he sings on is Th- amazing. Those are actually my two favorite tracks, too. One, because... Uh, what what is it no mistakes no mistakes it reminds me of graduation like the production behind mm, it yeah 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 it has that same sort of vibe and then uh what's the other one ghost town with kid cuddy has like a very like my beautiful dark twisted mm-hmm. fantasy vibe mm-hmm. to it like a lot of piano a lot of guitar riffs like kid cuddy hums yeah, oh yeah, that. that's what I was. That's what I was waiting for. I, I was waiting. Yeah, the, hmm, 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 hmm. yeah that's what synth, I was waiting for. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's, those are my two favorite tracks off the album. Definitely an amazing album. Big, big, big album. Um, so shout out to Kanye. I can't wait for this Kid Cudi one to come out. Uh, actually, this Friday. That's uh, two days from now. Um, that'll be something we talk about because shit, man, this is hella good music coming out. Literally, good music. Um, Let's get into uh, this week's topic because something that we haven't done in a while because one, <laughs> we're lazy and two, um, nothing's really struck us in the streetwear, streetwear industry, streetwear news. Um, so we decided to do a more uh, brand centric episode. Um, if you don't know what that means, um, I say go back maybe about Shit, the last time we did this was maybe like 20 episodes, um, but we covered a brand um, sort of from the the history, kind of like a history lesson, if you want to call it, right? Uh, I mean, we are the, literally the only streetwear historians to do a podcast, and I think we do a fairly good job at it, don't you think? We're streetwear historians now? Yeah, I would say that, that, that we can do that. Okay. <laughs> no PhDs in streetwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I got my doctorate in, um, in, in clothing, uh, clothing design, At the, and the uh, school of hard knocks. <laughs> no, nah, I think it was on. Um, what's that one school that Lil Romeo always advertises on on TV? What is that? Uh, 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I see DC College. That's where I got my, yeah. my doctorate in, in streetwear. DeVry. DeVry, DeVry, DeVry University. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this episode would, is a good one to sort of reflect on a brand that me and me and you are, are fairly familiar with. And I think a lot of listeners are fairly familiar with, not in the sense of, of you know, maybe maybe wearing it, but I think when it comes to being a fan of streetwear, uh, this brand has stood the test of time in regards to a new generation of of leaders or, or, or designers or just a lifestyle in general, um, and that being the hundreds. I mean, what's there to say about the hundreds already? I mean, just to give you guys a quick synopsis, it's literally the, the, that brand with the Atom Bomb logo, <laughs> um, which, I mean, if you don't already know, uh, let's give them a quick backstory of the hundreds, sort of sort of a, a timeline into uh, how the hundreds came to be. Sure. So... I think it started in 2003, right? Yeah, so basically the brand started in 2003. It was founded by none other than Bobby and Ben. Um, their na- their, and- their actual last names are not the hundreds, if you, if you didn't already know. Um, for a short period of time, I thought it was maybe like within the first month of me discovering... Um, them as a brand i said okay, whoa wait, wait, are, they, are they so you really siblings? thought both of their last names were the hundreds not the hundreds i thought bobby and ben's last name was just hundreds because people would always address them in interviews as ben hundreds and bobby hundreds so i assumed them being of two completely different ethnic ethnic backgrounds one of them was adopted and i just assumed that they were just brothers somehow that would be a really good backstory, but that'd be amazing. That would be yeah. amazing. Um, I but, might change my last name to No Chance. How about just Chance? <laughs> I don't know about the No in there, but yeah, like Nate Chance. I think that's kind of that's kind of dope. That's, that's kind of fire. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of dope. Yeah, we can we can talk about that some other time. <laughs> I think the paperwork might be kind of crazy, um, but yeah, go ahead. Um, sort of the so they started in two thousand and three, so a long ass time ago. Yep. And so the the history of the of their sort of relationship kind of stems from your traditional um rags to riches story. I know Bobby Hundreds, um they're both from from Southern California, Bobby Hundreds with a background in I think it was in law uh because that's how him and Ben uh yeah, that's how him and Ben met. Um yeah. through like a law so- law program. Yeah, so basically the story goes that um, Bobby, who was doing, like, really interested in art at the time, he would do, he would take photos, he would draw, he would paint, whatever, he would do just all sorts of, all sorts of these creative, um, have all sorts of these creative outlets, and uh, he wanted to kind of please his parents because, you know, Asian American parents, they want you to have a quote-unquote real job. Very strict. Uh, Exactly, so... He ended up going to law school, um, and basically his idea behind going to law school is that he would go to law school, become a lawyer, and then after he was done, you know, working at his law firm, he would work on his creative stuff until mm. 2 a.m. and then go back to work the next morning and rinse and repeat. Let's so talk about let's, let's talk about that real quick because that is a concept that I think most people that aren't doing what they love as a job can relate to. And I think that's something that we can speak to wholeheartedly because oh, yeah, a, a lot sure. of a lot of our spare time and a lot of our time outside of our our daily jobs is the podcast, is our creative endeavors. And I think um, what what what's that complex series uh, with Noah Callahan? What is that called? Uh, blue, uh, blueprint. blueprint. Yeah. yeah. So in um, a great great interview. Um, by the way, if you guys haven't checked it out, go check it out. But within the Blueprint series, they sort of cover the the sort of difficulties and trials and tribulations of some of your favorite um, brand owners, uh, artists, creators, savants, whatever. Um, and they ask them the tough questions, right? So basically, um, Bobby goes into the story of um, 
of how through this this law internship whatever what a law period of his life um he was focusing so much on his brand which at the time was um the what was going to turn into the hundreds and there's such a huge focus on it he would be working on it during his lunches after he got off of work staying up for countless hours after after he got off of work just that sort of mentality where it's like clocking into your second job that we i mean we always talk about right and yeah. so he would always show his boss and 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 ever since i heard about this I, I became very skeptical about doing this myself but he would always show his boss like hey look look at this you know shirt i designed or look at look at this photo i took for for my blog and just sort of introducing them into the world of of the hundreds and i think when um when he had finished his internship or his contract or stint at this law firm, <laughs> this is this is my favorite part. The, I guess his his boss said, you know, Bobby, you are the best. Um, I, I'm I'm just gonna say lawyer. I don't know what the fuck it is. You were the best lawyer, um, in your in your group, and um, you're gonna be a great lawyer someday, but. I don't want you to do that. Or I, I, it was like, um, either I don't want you to, I don't want you to do that or it's not for you type of thing. Um, because he was able to see how much passion and how much, uh, creativity he had for this brand, which is now the hundreds. Um, so just, just, just on that concept alone, you know, sort of trying to fit in your creative endeavors into, your day-to-day life. What what are the some of the, some of the difficulties when you when you come across that? I mean, I, I mean, for, at least for you. Um, I mean, of course, like everyone has their own stuff that they deal with in their, in their daily life. Um, I mean, like we said in the last episode, working full time and coming home or going to do the podcast um, for however however many hours that we're doing it isn't always like the most fun thing to do. Um, especially when you're like exhausted from just being so busy throughout the week. Um, but I think it's a good way to approach it, you know, like, of course, like you, it's important to focus on, you know, your creative, the creative venture that you're working on, but it's also, you know, you kind of have to have the foundation for that. And I think that's kind of like the thinking behind it, you know, like, when you're starting out, you can't really, you know, like you're not going to be successful overnight or at least most people won't be. And it's not going to pay the bills all the time. Exactly. So you have to, you know, you have to compromise. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. And, and sometimes that means, you know, um, doing like finding the time outside of your, your day-to-day job to, to do that. And one of the biggest struggles is, you know, with, with, with the podcast and especially how I, I can relate this to what, what Bobby is doing is that when it comes to doing, you know, creative endeavors outside of your day-to-day job, it, you have to, you have to, ha- you have to be good at your job first. <laughs> I think, I, I think you don't always have to be a hundred percent invested in what you're doing, but I think you, sometimes you have to have that um, means to an end mentality when it comes to uh, working a, a full time job and having a creative endeavor that you want to hope turn into that you hope to turn into a full time job. So, I mean, you unless, unless you want to be a starving artist in, in the street playing the guitar and hopefully you know having one of those success stories being discovered by American Idol, then so be it. Like, go ahead and do that. But not everybody makes it in that in that former fashion. So. Um, if you do have a job and you have a creative endeavor that you want to make a full-time job one day, then, you know, you got, you got to find a means to an end and, and somehow figure out a way to fade in and fade out. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's always about balance. I think, um, like we talked about in the last episode, you know, it's always important to be a hundred percent at anything that you're doing, whether that's your normal day-to-day job or, you know, your creative venture that you're doing from, you know, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., you know? Exactly. Um, 
Exactly. Yeah, it, it's just about finding that balance and, you know, and so continuing can, to put in the work in. And so yeah. I can understand uh, sort of continuing with um, with this, the, the history lesson is I can sort of understand like Bobby's sort of dilemma, you know, like there's this tug of war going on with what you should be doing versus what other people want you to do. Um, yeah. And, that, and that's tough, you know, because... Um, I mean, our favorite entrepreneur, Gary Vee, always talks about the opinions of others and how sometimes that can paralyze you in, in pursuing your dreams, which is a very yeah. relative, uh, relevant comment, you know, especially nowadays with everybody having so many different options of making money that the traditional route of maybe becoming a nurse or being a doctor or being an astronaut isn't as traditional anymore, you know? Yeah, I think we we're living in an age where you can really do anything that you want, you know. So why not why not do it? Um, but I mean, it, like you said, it is like a very scary thing to do. Um, I think in any sort of like entrepreneurship or whatever, like starting your creative own creative venture, like it's there's always going to be a lot of self doubt and always a lot of like harsh criticism, whether that's coming from your peers, family, yourself, whatever, you know, but, um, I think it's really important that you just have to kind of push through that. And I think that's kind of a lesson that you can kind of take away from what the hundreds does as a brand and as a company. Um, they have never been the type of brand to sort of follow trends. Like even now you can still kind of see that they are, kind of still doing them whether that's the most popular thing or not and that's true and and let's go back to 2003 and 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 sort of tie that statement that you just said into what they do because you gotta I, i guess the the bigger picture here is if we're to start a brand right now we have we have references we have things to to look back to right we can we can model our brand, you know, closely to Supreme or the Hundreds or Stussy or or LRG or or or, or A Life or any any streetwear company. But think back to two thousand and three when Bobby Hundreds is trying to conceptualize this idea with graphics and stuff. What is his reference? You know, because peak streetwear didn't hit until around like what, what would you say like two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Yeah, like those mid two thousands, um, like yeah, two thousand seven to like maybe two thousand ten, two thousand. So like literally trying to create the hundreds or something, a lifestyle brand as, uh, which is the the more definitive term. That sounds difficult. That sounds it sounds unheard of, you know. And and it, and it gives it gives me nerves to think that a person would put all their chips in on something that was not even really a thing at the time, you know? And I mean, there's, there were streetwear, obviously. Supreme had been out. Um, a Life. I mean, you had Stussy, LRG, Triple Five. So you had that version of streetwear. The streetwear that you could still buy in an East Bay magazine, um, if, if, if that's yeah. not a dated reference. But to, to not have anything to just look up on Google to be like, okay, streetwear designs, you know? There was no archive of 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 what streetwear is today to look back to as inspiration so you really have to be creative you have to be an individual you have to be yourself um you have to live through your brand essentially so when you say that that they have never followed trend it holds true to you know ever since they started in 2003 because they had no choice, you know, like, and I think that that relates to, you can even relate that relate that to like hip hop in the early nineties is you couldn't be like the next guy because people would there, expose you immediately. Was, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so now obviously with things changing, people are replicating things that work because that is the quick way of doing things. But, yeah. Because there's, there's so much out of, uh, there's so much out there already that, you know, there's so many things that you can reference, so many things that you can copy that it's, 
it almost makes sense not to, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, just sort of, I think there's a whole period of, of the hundreds brand that I think everybody sort of understands already that we don't have to really get into the whole trials and tribulations of, of screen printing and fuck ups and trying to get their shirts in stores and, and missed orders and finally getting their big break, you know, like that's all sort of a part of the story that I think everybody understands to, to from turning into a brand where you're selling shirts out of the trunk, you're selling shirts through word of mouth through, you know, eventually jumping into wholesale and being in a reputable retailer, you know? Yeah. So let's sort of talk about that that aspect then, which um, is a concept that a lot of people can sort of relate to is that do-it-yourself aspect. Um, the hundreds being that, especially with Bobby hundreds being the creative mastermind behind the brand and Ben hundreds being the businessman, the, um, the enforcer <laughs> from what it looks like. He looks like a very intimidating guy. I would hope to to meet him one day and I'm for some reason I'm just scared right off the bat. He looks like he gives a really, really firm handshake. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like he'd just like be the bully unless you like stood up to him. Like the first day you meet him, you know, like you, you just can't take any shit from him. And then he'll like just when you first get to you. prison and then you have to like fight the biggest dude. So that way, like <laughs> everybody the, else respects you. He's the guy taking your jello cup. Like the first yeah. day you ca- come into the pen, it's just like, you know, this. My, my man's that, that's not yours. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> get, yeah. get about that jello cup. Um, but yeah, like just sort of seeing, uh, the dynamic there, you have the, the creative genius, which is Bobby hundreds and you have the businessman, which is Ben hundreds. I feel like when it comes to starting a brand, when it comes to turning a creative endeavor into something profitable, I think that that's a match made in heaven right there. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, not everybody has those two sort of traits in one person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's always going to be the person that has that sort of like creative energy. And there's always, always that other person that has, you know, is more business driven, mm-hmm. uh, is more about the numbers uh, as opposed to just more abstract concepts. Yeah. You, know? you think like the biggest struggle for creative people or just, I think this is something that artists face a lot is, you know, sometimes they only know how to do one thing and, and not to say that in a negative sense, but to, to be focused onto one thing. So when it comes to creating art, if you're, if you're a rapper, obviously, if you're a painter, you, you want to just do that right? You don't think that what you're doing is going to manifest itself into something that is profitable. So you only focus on doing that one thing. So when things like, Hey, we want to sign you, we want to feature your artwork in the museum. You're just like, cool, but I don't know what my stuff is worth. I don't know how to sell myself. I don't know how to market myself. I just know how to be in a, in a sense, one dimensional, you know? Um, so it, I mean, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, it's always important to have both of those, you know, both of those skill sets just in order to be as successful as possible. Um, and I mean, like when you're working in a team, it's always important to have each person be sort of like that missing puzzle piece that when you put, those two together or however many together, you know, like it completes like the entire picture. And I think it's important for somebody like Bobby hundreds. Obviously he could have done that himself, right? He could have taken his ideas and shopped them on the t-shirts and, and sold them to his friends, but he decided to include somebody else that was more knowledgeable than himself in a, in a specific field. And I think it takes a lot for somebody to sort of take a step back and realize that, Hey, I don't think that I can do this all by myself or not even that. It's just, I know that there's somebody that can help me execute this more efficiently or better, which is huge. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that says a lot about a person, you know, it's very hard to take something that you're doing creatively and trust another person enough, um, with that content or whatever it is, you know, to, 
you know, take it and respect it while also keeping that business mindset. Exactly. Um, and to take it further, you know. And so. I, th- I think when it comes to that, comes to that though, for anybody that that is thinking about, you know, going on that journey is, it's not passing off the responsibility. I don't want people to get the mistake that you're passing off the responsibility and saying, you know, okay, I have a numbers guy. I don't, I shouldn't have to worry about numbers again. I don't, I don't, I don't care about numbers. That's something that they do. That's not the idea um, of what we're trying to say. It's more so I'm going to sort of work with somebody to understand it in a way that I can sort of get it, if that makes sense. Because you, yeah. you don't want you don't want it to, you don't want to pass anything off. You want to learn as well. If that I mean, if I'm making sense there. Exactly. Um, I think that's what it's all about. And I think if you can kind of partner with somebody or partner with other people uh, in order to not only learn yourself but also to teach other people like it's just it's beneficial all around you know what i'm saying like it'll only make your group your collective your partnership whatever it'll only strengthen it so yeah and that's just another one of those things that i think is relatable to you know to sort of all conceptual ideas of, of people trying to make something happen is you know having that circle learning more, learning outside of your comfort zone, which is super important. But my question now, and because I've never seen you ever wear the hundreds, what are your sort of first, because we talked about it early in in, in the earlier episodes, but what what is like your first um, encounter of the hundreds? Like, do you remember like the first time you encountered them, the first time you learned about them? Um, You remember? Yeah, I mean, like through... My initial, you know, love for streetwear kind of came from my older brother. He was, I think, let me see, 2003. So he was in, he was like in high school. Uh, It was like his last few years of high school. He was about to go into college and he was wearing like a lot of their stuff. Um, And I always thought, you know, I always thought that, you know, it was my older brother. So he had a huge impact on my life. I was maybe like in fourth or fifth grade so i was still little still very impressionable and seeing my older brother who i thought of as like the coolest guy ever wear this brand you know i was immediately drawn to it and um i still remember because when i was a little kid my parents and i used to go in we used to drive downtown into the city all the time and i remember driving down post street and i remember seeing the store and I was like, that's that store that my brother was getting all this like cool shit at. Uh, so that was like one of my first memories of like the hundreds was like back then, um, you know, just reliving that memory in my childhood, um, taking that influence from my older brother. That's so, so sick. It's like you're like, yeah. um, like, like hands on the window, just like looking at like, what is that store? And it's just like passes yeah. you by. Like that's such yeah. an epic like moment right there. What about you? What was your like first so, experience or encounter? I think it was in high school as well. Um, I think prior to the hundreds, I was very into like Huff and Diamond Supply um, just because I skated when I was younger. So being into more of like the skate centric brands, obviously. But then I remember I had a friend, um, still a good friend to this day. I, you know him as well. Um, my friend Kyle. He's actually currently the stylist for, um, I don't know if you guys know who like super duper Kyle is like the, the artist, um, the singer guy. Um, but he's, he's a stylist for him. So he's, he was like one of the first kids in high school to be like super onto like streetwear early. And I remember one of the first times, um, like it was like maybe like the fall, fall of like freshman or sophomore year. Uh, he had come come to school with these jeans, like just normal blue jeans, but on the back there was this, the back pocket was this zigzag, right? And this was like around yeah. the time where like Ivisu jeans and like fake Bape jeans and and like that whole wave of like Red Monkey jeans and stuff like that was really big. So like you would yeah. see like the same graphics all over the place and it was just like, it just, jeans were just super tacky. But I remember seeing this, the, what was 
at the time, the first hundreds jeans um, that had the zigzag on the back. And I just thought like, dude, that is like the coolest thing that I've ever seen. And I remember he had the matching belt to go with it, the zigzag belt. And that being one of my favorite graphics to this day that the hundreds has ever put out, that print. And I remember asking him about it and he said, yeah, this is, I mean, this is the hundreds. They have a shop in in Los Angeles. And this is when they only had, uh, at the time, one shop on um, Rosewood. Rosewood, uh, So yeah. the, the original shop on Rosewood in Fairfax um, were actually, history note, where uh, they first opened their offices to like, uh, actually it being their first office space. So uh, where they would be screen printing and basically where their business grew into outside of, <laughs> outside of from the back of their, their cars. Um, but yeah, that, that first shop on Rosewood. And I remember going to Fairfax that, that following maybe like holiday break and going into diamond supply and going to the hundreds and man, it was the smallest store ever. And there was just hella people in there. Like it was a party, but being in there, it, it, it gave me a glimpse into, into like streetwear culture in Los Angeles because it was a lot different than, than what it was in, in the Bay area. Yeah. Because everybody had everything down there in, in, in Los Angeles because all the stores are relatively close. So everybody had on them, the, the matching fits, the, the full hundreds fits. They had Supreme. That was my first time seeing like Supreme up close and personal, up close and personal as well. And it was, it was, it was inspiring for sure. Like, and I remember buying a shirt there that was a size extra large at the time because they didn't sell double XL, which is what I wore. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember saying to myself like, man, this shirt's kind of small. To this day, I wish I still had that shirt because it was a dope-ass graphic. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that that was definitely one of my first times. So shout out to Kyle for putting me on to, uh, putting me on to the hundreds because, I mean, from that point on, it was just, it was all um, full steam ahead in, in regards to streetwear, which is, I mean, this is why this podcast is, is here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's always, like, interesting to see, like, what other people's experiences are in terms of, you know, their first experiences with streetwear or like a particular brand. So like, that's like super cool. Yeah. And I mean, for us too, cause you mentioned your first encounter was the, the San Francisco post street location. And I think currently yeah. the hundreds has a location in, uh, two in Los Angeles, right? One in Santa Monica and one on the corner of one on Fairfax now. Is that, am I, am I yeah. right? And then yeah. I think they have, do they have one in, they don't have one in New York. Just two in Los Angeles, I don't right? Think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're right about that. But yeah, um, so our our earlier experiences with the hundreds sort of revolved around the San Francisco location, obviously because we're natives to the city, right? Um, yeah. Fairly recently, I did sort of like a like a short uh, short snippet on on sort of the closing of of the hundred San Francisco and what that means to the community that surrounds it. And sort of where a lot of people got their start, right. Um, in regards to forming brands or forming, uh, friendships and connections and having that brick and mortar store in the city, it was a huge piece to, to streetwear around that time, which was, yeah, peak streetwear around 2009, 2010. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with that closing, uh, we want. I want to get into this discussion of of just being in San Francisco and being in Los Angeles and that dichotomy, right? Because obviously, with the hundreds closing in San Francisco, it brings up this question of, you know, is can we make it here? And I don't. I don't just mean that in ter- in the sense of you speaking for the hundreds or just streetwear in general, but I mean like in terms of us as, as a brand. No chance. Um, can you make it in San Francisco? Or do I have to move to Los Angeles where, you know, it's filled with uh, glitz and glamour and fucking Hollywood and celebrities. And, and we'll get into that discussion on how the hundred sort of relates to that. But can we do it here? Like, is it, is it a, a trend for, for these big companies like Huff and, and Stussy and the hundreds to leave San Francisco and figure out a market where they, where they will work at? I mean, I think it's possible. Do I think that a lot of brands and maybe even us in general have 
a better shot of making it in a place like New York or LA? Yes, uh, I, I do believe so. Um, excuse me. Just because New York and LA in particular have always been very about streetwear, very about the culture. San Francisco is too, but it's it's such a smaller place that there isn't, you know, there aren't that many like-minded people. It's very spread out. Of course, um, yeah. Whereas in New York and LA, in New York and LA, you have that sort of concentration, if you will. Do you think it has so, to do with like, like the uh, media? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it just has to do with, you know, just the the actual geographic locations and what sorts of like culture kind of grew out of those two places or just out of LA in general. Um, I think that, I don't know, like LA has always been like a place for like creatives. Like you have Hollywood and you have like all these other different, you know, little areas where people are creating shit. So I think people kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah. I I, Um, I agree with that. I think, just in general, if you were to compare Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco in regards to um, like culture shifting, I would say like San Francisco within the past five to ten years has changed the most drastically. Um, just in regards to what you see, right? Because yeah, maybe ten ten plus years ago, San Francisco was how. A lot of people traditionally saw San Francisco, right? Every every borough, if you want to call it borough, we call it neighborhoods in, in the Bay Area, but um, every neighborhood is 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 specific to a different type of culture. Obviously, we have the Mission, which is more of a Hispanic culture. We have North Beach, which which is like more of like your Italian Italian American culture, and and it was just more divided. In or maybe I'll use a different word. It was just. Um, Everything was more distinct. Yeah, Everything there you go. It was more, more distinct like, yeah. and defined. But as we as we continue yeah. to, I mean, we've talked about this and um, the concept of, of gentrification and it all becoming sort of one sort of look, right? You ever watch Fairly Odd Parents yeah. when you were younger? Yeah, of course. You remember that episode where um, uh, I think Timmy, he just felt like he wanted to be or he felt so different and he wanted everybody to be the same. And then, is that the one where everybody's gray? Everybody's a gray blob. Yeah, that's exactly how I imagine like San Francisco. Like, although there's a lot of cultures and there's a lot of diversity, I feel like it's one type of individual. If that makes sense, like it's a, it's very specific to a, a, a certain mentality. Yeah, I think San Francisco is very like right now. At least it's very business driven. I mean, you have like tech and you have like finance and you have stuff like that and you know it's it all kind of, it feels almost kind of like sterile very like cold no, that's, a, like, that's a that's a like a super good reference or a good term to so, sort of define it because like i mean you were just in new york i'm sure that if you were to go in the subway you would see the finance guy and you'd also see the guy that would bust your head if you said something crazy like yeah. It, it, it's that sort of division or that not even that division, but that sort of dichotomy that I don't feel really exists too much in San Francisco, which is why we don't see, which is why there's such a fight for culture in San Francisco. Um, yeah. As of late. I mean, it's crazy how we, you know, started off from this conversation of, do you think we can make it in San Francisco to this whole like conversation about gentrification and whatnot? But I mean, if you think about it, it has a lot to. It kind of has a lot to do with that. It kind of goes hand in hand. Um, of course, like San Francisco, super gentrified everywhere, pretty much these days, super gentrified. But here, it's like I feel like there isn't as much creativity or not as much creative things going on as opposed to, let's say, in like New York, where you have you know, all sorts of different types of people, all sorts of different types of culture, or even LA where like, that's a hub of, or that's the, you know, that's the starting point for a lot of stuff that we are interested in as partake or as people who partake in the streetwear community, sneaker community, whatever. So no, that's I true. don't know. It's that's true. Yeah. I mean, you have, a, you have an entire 
um, area of New York sort of dedicated to that that artsy type. You know, you have you have Soho. It's like quintessential art district. You know, you don't have that in in San Francisco. I feel like you have to go searching for that community, and even then, they're they're so they're underground. If 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 um if that makes sense. And in, and I think in Los Angeles, one of the biggest things that I think really helped in aiding the sort of uprise of, of the hundreds and sort of being one of the more, the, one of the first, I want to say, um, viral streetwear brands, um, that I can think yeah. of is, is really cause they have that sort of celebrity back and they have that celebrity community. Um, in, in the same way that we sort of spoke to New York in, in having these people grow up with Supreme is eventually someone's going to be famous. You know, you grow up in a, in a, in a, a, an entertainment industry city like New Yorker or Los Angeles. It's somebody's going to grow up to be famous. If they're a musician, if they're an artist, if they're an actor, actress, somebody's going to be famous. So if you're in, if you're in Los Angeles and you form those connections early, if you if you have a bunch of friends that are skaters, that are um, surfers, punk rock kids, whatever, someone's gonna pop off. And being in Los Angeles, obviously, with with being the biggest entertainment industry in in, in the world, it's just more likely to happen. And and those celebrity endorsements obviously turn into more eyes on your brand and. <laughs> There you go. You're you skyrocketed into this cultural phenomenon, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh like you said, just being surrounded by um uh, all these people, uh whether you think they're talented or not, you know, celebrities, if you will. Um, I think that definitely has a lot to do with how far your brand can go. Because obviously if you're being endorsed by like some big names, you're gonna blow up. Dude, literally um, everybody, you- like Everybody you could imagine has had an in not an input, but has touched the hundreds in some sort of way. You can name every actress and every actor or designer or musician, rapper, whatever. Their early years, their being discoveredness, whatever, has started somewhere with the hundreds when it comes to being in the know of, of cool clothing, streetwear, whatever. I mean, I saw like Jessica Alba in like 2009 at the hundreds warehouse, you would see like, um, obviously like odd future in the early years, you would see, um, like early, like early rappers, like, um, like, a like a Nipsey hustle, like just every, anybody you can imagine. And, and I think that's really cool. You know, I, I feel like it's, it's almost like you, you ever get the sentiment that if you're, a a designer or someone doing it cool in your field of expertise, you you know you're on when you get invited to the hundreds warehouse. <laughs> oh, you yeah. realize I mean, that? that was, yeah, that was like a thing for a good minute. It was like people will just go over to the number or the hundreds warehouse, like and you know, like that would be like kind of like the sign that you made it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. it's like the that that's like the endorsement that that you need is that that. Bobby or Ben hundreds endorsement. And I'm not going to lie. They're almost like the, the A&Rs of streetwear <laughs> and um, yeah. Ben hundreds, you know, Bobby hundreds, especially just he, he documents the, the people that he meets or the people that he's been into um, so well that he, he puts them on a platform to be exposed to people like us to where you're like, Oh, who's this person? And you get linked to their entire collection of whatever they do. And now they're your new favorite artist or rapper or, you know, painter or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of like the whole thing that Bobby talks about when when he speaks about starting the hundreds is that it was about not necessarily selling clothing, but maybe about connecting dots and building that community around his brand or their brand, the hundreds, you know? No, that's, yeah, that's definitely, um, I remember him talking about that. Yeah. That, that was definitely one of the pieces he almost described his, his clothing as being like, like merch, not, not like actual like collections. It was just merch with artwork or it was like a collective that released 
items. You know what I mean? It was like um, he almost underplayed the idea of starting a clothing company. Yeah. It was more so creating a culture, creating a community. And you could see it like he's very much about being surrounded by like-minded individuals, um, people that are doing amazing things. And if you look back to those Rosewood days and, and Fairfax days when they were really popular and the hundreds was, was documenting every moment of it. You could see like, you know, that person is huge. Now that person is, you know, whoever now that person is whatever. And you can see how the, how the cultivation of just these, these like-minded individuals and these amazing, amazing talents kind of turn into and blossom into what is, some of the greatest musicians, artists, designers of today, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just going back to his sort of, or their sort of backstory, uh, the way that, you know, Bobby explains the way that they kind of pitched the hundreds to all these different buyers is that they're not selling t-shirts, they're selling community, they're, mm. they're storytelling, they're, you know, they're selling content. And I think for a brand that's starting out in, you know, 2003, that's like huge. Like that's, you know, 15 years ahead of its time, Definitely. if you will. Yeah. It so, speaks to a secret recipe, you know? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, and I, it, it, go ahead. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, like, of course, like at the time he was just saying that that was just a ploy to kind of get their shirts into you know, whatever stores they can. But if you kind of look back at it, it, that is kind of exactly what they were doing, you know, like not necessarily focusing on the t-shirts and stuff like that, but more about, you know, what, what does this t-shirt do? Mm -hmm. How does it draw in other people and how can we connect with these that's other a, people? That's, you know a, that's a really good point because even Bobby says it, they didn't have an official logo for like the first three years, four years that they were, technically a brand selling clothing to these these retailers you know and and <laughs> it's pretty amazing because sometimes your first inclination when you're trying to start a brand you're trying to start something creative is you know what's going to be my stamp what's going to be my logo how are people going to identify me and if if your focus isn't to be identified or isn't to for some sort of commodifying of of whatever, then you're not really worried about a logo. You're, you're worried about a message. And I think that was the biggest piece of why they're so successful today and why brands that focus on the story, the heritage, the culture are so successful today is because at the end of the day, it's not about what they're selling. It's about what they believe in. And that itself is going to live on way longer than a, a, a cotton t-shirt, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it just speaks a lot to how important it is to be authentic and genuine when, you know, doing any sort of creative, um, you know, any, having any sort of creative venture or even starting a business, anything like that. Like authenticity always goes way further than any sort of, you know, product that you can push or anything like that. So yeah, and, I think that just and, speaks a lot to that. And being around for shit, almost 15, 20 years, like, that's yeah. crazy, you know, especially yeah. as a, as a clothing as a clothing brand. That's a, it's it's still pretty awe-inspiring. So let's be let's be nostalgic for a second and I mean because they're located in Los Angeles, they have access to man, they might be second to Bape or maybe even first overall to have collaborated with more companies <laughs> than I could ever imagine in a short amount of time. So let's go back and sort of what are your your favorite hundreds collaborations because they've done oh. they've done it with with everybody anybody you can imagine they've done it with My favorite is Tapatio <laughs> They released the lit. bottle. That was so cool. Yeah, they, that one was lit. Tapatio, the 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 Mexican hot sauce. They they even had was it was it Bobby or was it Ben that was on the bottle that they did? 
I think it was Bobby. I don't remember oh, the bottle. I just remember the t-shirts. That's so cool, man. That yeah. is so cool. I yeah. think they, they they do an amazing job sort of capturing collaborations that make sense but don't make sense. And I think if you're in Los Angeles and you know the hundreds and, and you've been watching them for a long time, you'd be like, what the hell? I don't get this. But you got to understand that location-wise, they're surrounded by everything. All the flagships, all the, you know, headquarters, the companies, they're there, you know, in Los Angeles. And I think for me, my favorite it has to be Garfield. I think I think Garfield has, has that collaboration has made, you know, some of the of the coolest, coolest graphics. And from my earliest years of, of the hundreds, that was one of the first ones that I remember coming out. Um, it was like the big Garfield leaning against uh just uh their 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 word logo and shit that was so amazing yeah that was another good one garfield definitely was like up there um any others in particular man they, they've done they've done it all they've done it with uh with it the, the fucking clown oh, recently yeah, um yeah. they they're doing one uh they're about to release one with amoeba the the, the music record, that, yeah. uh store um Shit, man, I can't, I can't, I can't even. They've done they, with peanuts. It seems like they have, yeah, it seems like they have one like every week. I don't know, I don't know what their process is. Like, I'm sure they're they're relatively close to obviously all the like all the the movie the movie industry, television industry. So I wonder what that conversation's like. Is it just like um they just brands just reach or not brands, but just like companies just reach out to them and they're just like yo we're super interested in what you're doing and i think uh we sort of spoke on it last episode is this this uh this need to be cool right by yeah. by by some of these bigger brands is like we talked about with mcdonald's is you know in order to get in touch with that community of kids we got to resort to putting out some sort of cool clothing line you know because that's what kids are into nowadays it's the cool hip clothing with the tote bags and, and the coach's jacket. So let's do that. So I almost think that the hundreds is almost like a, not only do they collaborate with, with, with some great, great, uh, companies and, and just in general creatives, but they're also the sort of intermediaries between, um, companies that want to be cool and, um, them being the cool. So I think that's a, that's a great place, um, for them as of right now yeah i mean i think that's definitely kind of like in the uh in the space that they're living in right now they're kind of like that bridge between people in the know and companies that kind of need to reach out to those sort of people so. yeah and it, and and i think they're doing a great job in capitalizing off of nostalgia um yeah i think the the most recognizable one and uh, probably one of my bucket lists is to ride in Bobby Hundred's DeLorean, but they're Back to the Future like whole collection and um, the way that they executed that was was amazing, and just the way that they they they're in touch with with nostalgia and how how they have a way of 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 highlighting things that we may have forgotten about as we grow up, but bring it back in a way that it, it, it makes us excited again. And I think even, um, karate kid, they did one with karate kid recently. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've, yeah. they've, they've done it all. And, um, it's pretty amazing to see them in, in where they are today and shit, man, they're going to be around for a long ass time. Yeah, I think so. I think in one form and in one form or another, um, they'll be around, um, just because of like who they are as a brand and like what they kind of stand for, uh, and just the passion that they have for it, whether or not it's the most hype brand right now or not, you know. Yeah, definitely. And you know, just, just sort of reflect on uh, on all this, man. We we killed this one. Like we haven't done like a history lesson in such a long, long time. And I think yeah, this sort of opened up um, our eyes into you know what. Or in, not only into how big of a brand the hundreds is, but in terms of their their cultural impact over the the last shit. I want to get this right. What was it two thousand and three? Fifteen years. Yeah. I mean, just to just to sort of see their 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 journey and their you know their 
fucking growth over the over the years is it's amazing and streetwear you would you wouldn't think streetwear could do that you know you wouldn't think streetwear would now be the bridge between um old school and new school yeah i mean it's it's crazy to see a streetwear brand around for that long something that wasn't even a thing in the past turn into something so big um so i mean i'm it it makes me really almost like proud to be a part of like this culture because, you know, a lot of people didn't care about it before, but now everybody seems to care about it. Yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, we, we definitely killed this one, man. Uh, I think what was the last one we did? Do you remember the last like history yeah. episode we did? I have no idea. It might, I don't even know. I don't, I don't yeah, it might've been, no, it wasn't Stussy. That was a long time ago. Well, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I think we, we definitely nailed the head on this one. Um, shit, man, that was like was like an over an hour talking about the hundreds. I haven't talked about the hundreds in a long ass time. Jeez, yeah, this is a good episode. Yeah, I've, I <laughs> I agree, I agree. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in this week. We appreciate all the support. Shit, man, we're 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 hitting almost a year, and shit, I'm starting to grow some gray hairs because. That, that that party's coming up and it is i'm getting mad mad stressed out and uh but it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be a lot of fun um i hope anybody that's listening to this uh comes out and kicks it with us um because it's gonna be a big it's gonna be a big event man um shit we worked hard for this we work hard on this podcast man we we do a lot we talking for an hour straight is not normal for the for the average <laughs> human being um except for teachers shout out to teachers um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 42 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, my name is Ryan. My name is Nate. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.